What I really like is to give people is a choice, but I like to give them a choice of beautiful fresh cheeses that you would never get in the supermarket. Um, and some things like a cottage cheese with no salt, it's just the most simplest form of preserving milk, which is what cheese is. You're preserving milk. With all of New South Wales in lockdown, I thought it was high time to head to the regions and chat to Deborah Allard, a cheese maker in the Byron Bay region of northern New South Wales. Deborah, how are you going? Hi, Danny. I'm going really well. It's very, the roads are very quiet, but it's, it's actually quite nice for me. That's good. <laughs> well, I always love speaking to producers and people whose rhythms are not necessarily the same as us city folk. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you do. Um, I am, uh, I'm a cheesemaker and we, five years ago, we, um, started, uh, a Jersey dairy back on the, my husband's family farm. It's always been a dairy since, um, 1895 until about 40 years ago when my father-in-law shut the dairy down to go off and get a normal job. And so, um, I started, I learned how to make cheese about 15 years ago and um, that that business shut down after four years. Um, I was yeah, making cheese with another lady who was a dairy farmer and uh, when they shut the business down, um, I was a bit lost and so it took me about us about six years to um, realise that we could restart the dairy. Um, it was a big, big jump because it was a lot of money and, and we knew that once we started, we would never get a holiday again. So, <laughs> so but the, the beauty about that, but about restarting the dairy, it meant that it gave us farm security because Jim um, is the only son, but he has three sisters and his parents at that stage were still alive. So it meant that the, the farm, which is 200 acres up, about um, 20 minutes from Byron, 25 minutes from Byron. Um, it, it meant that it was um, stayed in the family and didn't get split up. Right. Okay. And, I mean, I just love the idea of, you know, having the cows, milking them and then making the cheese. It just seems like a really beautiful progression of, um, yeah, you know, paddocks to produce uh tell us uh, tell us what it's like um it sounds like we're living the dream <laughs> but it's um and we knew it would be a lot of hard work because um we knew it would be two businesses uh two big businesses so the dairy is is a really big business uh it's seven days um, you know, 4 a.m. till 6 p.m. nonstop. So that's seven days. And um, then the cheese business is uh, it, it can be seven days if I let it, and I have let it for five years. So it's a really idyllic setting. I'm, I'm sitting in this little – in my cheese factory now that's um, – we're not making cheese today – but I'm in here pottering around getting ready for markets and I'm looking out into paddocks and the cows have just walked into the dairy. They start milking at three and it's 10 past three. So I can hear all the machines running and I can actually, if I listen to the wall, cause the, the dairy's next right next door. So there's a wall um, dividing us 
I can hear the cows eating the grain while they're getting milked, and it's really lovely. I can hear the the men, oh, well, if my husband's whistling or I can hear the men talking in there. And and I really, it's really a lovely, lovely time when when everything's going right. So it's, um, it is a great lifestyle and I don't take all the milk. We, the, the goal was that we sent most of the milk to Norco, which is a lovely um, farm-owned, farmer-owned uh, milk, milk processing um, business so that if I didn't want to make cheese, I didn't have to. So um, that's, that's a massive commitment if you have to use your own, all of your own milk. Uh, it's very stressful. So at least if I if there's a problem like last week when the market shut down, uh, I could stop making cheese and try and work out how to problem solve. So, yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah, look, I can – I get so much from what you're saying. Like it does sound quite relentless in lots of ways uh, with that cycle. I mean, yeah, cows don't know about lockdowns and uh, fluctuations in consumer demand. Uh, they have to be milked. Uh, they don't know about Sundays. <laughs> so there is, yeah, that, those rhythms just don't stop. Um, but then, yeah, I guess uh, uh, there's that rural dream, but, you know, dreams aren't always, dreams can be nightmares at times. They're very, it's very complex. And as you say, two businesses that have, I guess, complementary, uh, they're complementary, but they also, yeah, would um, both be quite demanding. So, yeah, I can hear all those uh, those ups and downs of, of producer life in your voice. And, of course, you know, the complexities of the pandemic have only uh, added to the stress and those very, uh, well, just urgent changes in demand and the requirements of you as a producer. Um, can you can you talk me through your pandemic? Uh, yeah, we, we've been, um, you know, when it first started, it's really hard to imagine it was March last year, but when it first started, the fear was, was incredible um, because we just thought that um, it, it was going to affect so, so many of us and we were fortunate that it sort of didn't. But what happened with our little business was, um, and you know, with, with social media, you can see Europe, it was hitting Europe first. So you could see all of the panic of the producers that couldn't shift their cheese because everything shut down. But here it was different. We couldn't, we couldn't get um, international cheese into Australia. So this is a really big food bowl up here. You know, everyone loves their food and are, are quite willing to pay for it. And that's the reason we really started because we knew that the the cheese would have been would be in demand but when all of the delis can't get cheese from overseas they the phone was just ringing hot so where where there was a half a day where i thought the order stopped everything shut down um, cafes restaurants every, just like it is now everything shut down and we just thought oh my god no one's going to what's what's going to happen and now i thought well i might just go home and I might just go and, and think about it. And then I went home and I laid on my bed, which I never do in the middle of the day, and I looked out the window and then the phone just started to go run hot. Um, we need your cheese. We don't usually get it. Um, we need whole wheels. We need it now. Um, the farmer's markets, 
you know, will they extend so that people can get the food? Will the supermarket? It was just, so I drove back home to the cheese factory and I started to put plans together about, um, about how we can get the food to the people because that's when the people were storming the supermarkets and hoarding. And so the farmer's markets, the, up here, we've got nearly a farmer's market every day within about 20 kilometres of me. And they, the managers put together such an awesome system. It was better than the supermarkets and people felt really safe coming to the outdoor farmer's market because we were doing it so well. And um, we were just flooded and but no longer I couldn't sample cheese any anymore, which I thought was a problem, but it wasn't. Usually at the farmers market, I would just take all my breezing containers and wrap them there and put them in a paper bag. So I realised I couldn't do that anymore. So I had to start packaging everything and pricing everything. And and I was working really really long hours, but it was satisfying knowing that people were going out and um and coming and supporting us and buying really great produce and we we increased our sales so much that we now have a big machinery shed called the COVID shed <laughs> where we could afford to put up a machinery shed because the it, our sales increased so much but I did start employing people to help me um, package um, and then we shut we we came out of it really quickly here um uh, and things were going really well up until probably the beginning of this year. And then they just started say uh, overseas cheese was coming in. Sales started to slide a little bit. Um, and when Byron, uh, the Byron area went into lockdown a couple of weeks ago, um, it was, it was still okay. Uh, and now we're all in lockdown. And once again, the cafes have shut, um, all of my wholesale, um, except the little supermarkets, you know, like that we've got the Bay Grocer up here and the little Yukai supermarket and the butcher shop, all of those sales are doing really well because um, people, once again, are sort of trying to stay out of the supermarket, the big supermarkets. Um, but last week the farmer's market shut down because of the non-compliance with mask wearing and signing in from the far north coast people. So – that's completely spun us around. I jumped on social media just to make sure people realise that if it's not the fact that if Jim, my husband, gets COVID because, you know, we're really healthy up here, it's more if we get a close contact warning that he will have to do the, the farming all by himself for two weeks and that would kill him. <laughs> so people needed to understand what they were compromising by not wearing a mask. Yeah, I did see a bit of um, yeah news about that and the fact that the Byron market had to close down because, yeah, people didn't want to mask up and check in. I mean, I suppose there is a bit of noise around the community in that part of the world and, um, you know, whether the, I guess a bit of a, a wellness brigade uh, overlaps with some, yeah, uh, pandemic conspiracy theory type folks. I wonder if, I mean, is that, do you think that's where that was coming from or is it just that it was so long ago that you were locked down at the beginning of the pandemic that it just couldn't, people just couldn't really wrap their heads around the fact that it was real again? Yeah, I, it, it is a little bit of that. I mean, up here it is um, an anti-vax sort of 
uh, Mecca, which is, um, you know, that in a non-pandemic, that's fine, do what you want. But when it comes to realising that people, businesses are going to go broke, people aren't working, um, it's, a, it's not just the COVID issue of it spreading. It's the fact that the, the better we are at, at this, the, the faster we will come out of lockdown. They just are so self-righteous and selfish that they don't understand. They just can't see beyond that. And it's like a rite of passage, like they will come to the farmer's markets and it wasn't just Byron market. It was, it was all of that week's markets shut down at a minute's notice. So we, everyone was had, you know, vegetables and eggs and all of the masses of products of product that they produce um, stockpiled ready for the week's markets. And then they were stuck with it. And, and it was the people that would walk in with their trolleys and no mask and just look so smug. It's like, yeah, we can do this um, and we're going to. So the fact that I thought last week, that, okay, you march through that market this week and you're going to be hungry. Are you going to go home and dig your own vegetable garden? Are you going to go and make your own bread? Because the supermarkets won't let you in now. You're going to have a week where you've got no food. Yeah, I mean, that behaviour is so frustrating. I mean, as you've really well explained, it's it's not just the health implications and you know it is it is that of course that's why that's why we're here but it's yeah it's the laws around having to isolate if you're in proximity to a case um it's so damaging to businesses uh, yeah it's just incredibly frustrating where, where i live in in the inner south of melbourne it's now there's a lot of cases around here there's a lot of exposure sites i know a number of people who are in 14 days isolation now because somebody you know went up and down the local strip uh with covid and of course you know they didn't do it on purpose but there's just a, sometimes it's um sometimes our behaviors have such a huge impact on others and I just feel like why wouldn't you want to do everything you could to mitigate that and to look after the people that live in your, in the community with you? Oh, it's so true. That's right. We're here as a community and we are producing food for you as in a community and the markets are so beautifully done. You know, everyone's welcome. You know, they've got their baskets, they stroll through. It's really a lovely environment. However, when it's time to protect everybody in that environment, about half are not stepping up. And and it's it's funny, I get my first jab on Friday and I was listening to this guy last week um, who was going for his 100th um, blood trans uh, blood donation and I thought you know as soon as I get my vax I'm going to go and give blood and then all of those anti-mask wearers and anti-vaxxers want my blood they're going to get all of my injections they're going to get smallpox they're going to get <laughs> German measles they can have it all suck it wow I I, <laughs> I love it I don't I'm not sure if it quite works like that um but yes I understand the sentiment if you could only if what if you could somehow get the vaccine the cheese Deborah and um yeah you could vaccinate through cheese that could be good <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny I, I think yeah I, 
I think that they're just so narrow-minded. Um, we had the police in uh, – so I did a market today. It's called New Brighton Farmers Market. Cutest little market in um, Ocean – just before Ocean Shores. Um, and and the people most – look, to be really honest, last week there was a lot not wearing the mask. This week because of they didn't want us to shut down. Most of them were wearing a mask, um, but the police came in towards the end and a man was standing in front of, well, 1.5 because I'm very strict, um, and he, he didn't have a mask on. And I said, look, the police are over there. If you've got a mask, just pop it on. And he says, no, I'm not going to wear one. And I said, okay. And then he, so he turned around and he walked towards the police and then they took his details. You know, I mean, the defiance is unbelievable. It's, why would you want that stress in your life? What is the point? I just don't get it. I mean, would you, did you serve him? Like, will you, will you serve someone who's not masked up? Well, um, at, my next market is Thursday at Byron Farmer's Market and we are, we are not to serve them and I'm not serving them. I don't care. Lose me as a customer, as a, a, a supplier. I, I don't care. I don't want your money. So they have to have a mask to enter the market. And then if they take their mask off, then I'm not serving them. Let's talk about cheese because I'm always up for that. <laughs> Tell me about your what the kinds of cheeses that you make. Well, um, most I'd say about 80% of my sales are through a farmer's market. And um so when I stand at my stall, and if you if you go on my um, Instagram or Facebook page, um, it's um, you'll see uh, a photo of my stall with I do twenty five different cheeses, and the reason I do that is because everybody likes something different. I'm fairly affordable. There's a lot of my cheese that's around the five dollar mark. Um, I do um, a lot of fresh cheese as well because. What I really like is to give people is a choice, but I like to give them a choice of um, beautiful fresh cheeses that you would never get in the supermarket. Um, and some things like a cottage cheese with no salt, it's just the most simplest form of turning milk, it, preserving milk, which is what cheese is. You're preserving milk. Um, so cottage cheese is um, – I pasteurize the milk um, at 65 degrees, which is a legal requirement, but it's a, quite a low um, pasteurization point. But commercially, it's 72. And the higher you pasteurize the milk, the, the longer shelf life you have. So at 65 degrees, I still satisfies the New South Wales Food Authority, um, but it still keeps a lot of the natural flora in the milk. And we have Jersey cows, which are just a beautiful active milk with high fat and high protein. And um, so cottage cheese is just milk with a little starter bacterial culture and it's left overnight. And then the next day I whisk it into a, just a little um, into little squares. So you just drag the whisk through one side and then through the other side. And then you start to warm it to 40 degrees until the little curds um they form into a just little soft curd and then you drain it and package it and that's it. It is, it's just the most simplest, beautiful product. Um, but in the supermarket, they've got shelf extenders and preservatives and salt and it's got to, it lasts months. Mine lasts three weeks. So I have a 
a beautiful fresh ricotta that I make every week that only has a 10-day use-by date because I don't add salt and preservatives. And they it all sells. I do um, um, strachino, which is a fresh Italian, um, like a gelat, like a bit sort of a gelatinously crumbly mozzarella. And I do a mozzarella um, – uh, a range of soft cheeses like a washed rind and a brie, um, a camembert gorgonzola cross, which is always a little bit funky. Um, I have a, a big range of high oh, – I do halloumi, of course, which is just just divine when it's freshly made and, and not pressed too hard, so it has a real squidge to it. Um, I do yogurt and kefir, so I just want um, – uh, best in show with my kefir, um, which is a probiotic. So, and it's just, a it's milk, which I heat treat to 80 degrees and then bring down to room temperature and add a Polish powdered culture. So it's a really good gut promoting, um, uh, uh, probiotic. Um, yeah, I do a, a nice range of hard cheese. I've got Romano and Pepper Romano and a, a farmhouse cheese that I make because my husband is very simple in his palate and he just wanted a cheese that was just normal. So I made, <laughs> I made this cheese called Ofra Glen, which is the name of the road where our, our heifer cows are kept. And um, it when he first tasted it, he said, oh, that tastes just like coon. So I knew I was on a winner. <laughs> so I call uh, each to their own. I can start to see why you need to make twenty-five cheeses. Yeah, everybody wants something different, and so my goal is that when they stand in front of me, they will buy the thing that they came for plus a couple of other things, and that that usually happens. Yeah, well, I might buy the thing I came for plus 24 others, I reckon. Um, <laughs> I remember that whole experience, you know, you, you mentioned earlier about, you know, you can't offer tastings anymore. And I know that is such a big part of the farmer's market experience for, for suppliers and also customers. But I remember going to a farmer's market early in the pandemic and the, and the cheese maker had, she'd had a, she had a little blackboard that usually said, you know, cheese tasting and she just scrubbed it out and written cheese talking. And, you know, there is enough to say about cheese, isn't there? And you can really, I guess we do have some pretty good words for differentiating cheese flavors. Uh, and of course the methods that you use to make those cheeses and the time that they take, it, you know, it's so different, isn't it? There's so much variety. There really is. I think, yeah, my, I call it my descriptive words are really on point. Uh, so um, you use words like funky or meaty, mushroomy or um, buttery. Everyone loves the word buttery. Um, I've got cultured butter, which is very buttery. Yes, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so my, my descriptive words were, um, were definitely – the thing that I, cause I, I really did panic. I thought no one's going to buy it if they don't taste it. So, um, the descriptive words really came through and, and because every batch is different, um, it's really great to explain what has happened. Like I'm just doing these little cheese packs. I do a $10 cheese pack and a $15 one. And I've noticed that the $10 ones are the ones that sell at the moment because people are a little bit, um, a, a little are looking for, at their money a little bit 
wiser. So I'm doing up these $10 packs with a brie and this little batch have got some pink in it. And so I will say I did this one for breast cancer. <laughs> but yeah, and sometimes there's a little um, blue comes through on the brie and I'll say, oh, yes, I meant to do that. Oh, the blue, the blue brie's are just so special, this batch. And, you know, as soon as you say that, they just go. But you have to be honest with everybody because otherwise they'll say, oh, there's a little, like I'll get a phone call or a message, you know. I've got some, I think my cheese is off. It's got some blue spots. I'll go, oh, you're so lucky to get that batch. <laughs> <laughs> it's blessed by angels. <laughs> The girl that works with me, when she sees something like that, she will say, oh, that customer is going to be very lucky. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, Deborah, you're pretty close to the Queensland border and obviously uh, there are a lot of issues around the New South Wales-Queensland border, as they are with many of our state borders at the moment. Can you just give, give us the lay of the land? What's actually happening there? So... Um, uh, luckily, I don't. I don't need to cross the border. But the other cheesemaker um, up the road, Nimbin Valley Dairy, they have a cheese factory at Nimbin, but they also have one at the Gold Coast. So what has happened is um, Anastasia Palaget has completely blocked um, us anyone in New South Wales out, except I think for large transport trucks. Um, so nurses can't cross, um, people that are carers can't cross either way because otherwise they can't get back over the border. Um, doctors, so we've got doctors this side meant to go to hospitals that side and vice versa. Um, and food, so um, – we had a lot of issues over the weekend. We had a lot of um, – so social media, I used it when the markets shut down to um, t get people to, to buy my cheese at different retail outlets or I, last week I was able to go across and I did the Corumban Farmers Market. They welcomed me in to sell all my soft and fresh cheeses um, to get rid of all those. But now lockdown, um, people had ute loads of vegetables and produce to go across to Queensland, they were stopped. I reckon starve the buggers, you know. I reckon even the truck drivers should just pull over and say, "We, no one's going in, you don't get anything. <laughs> I'm not sure whether <laughs> you can all get stuffed in Queensland. Um, I think I'm not sure now if it's changed over the last 24 hours, but I don't think it has. Um, I think that I know that this is a really great example of what's going on is that Bread Social are, um, are a really fantastic um, bakery right on the border and um, Burley Bakery is on the other side. They're both fantastic reputation. What they're actually doing is that they're giving each other their customers. Wow. So – Oh, look, it just makes my eyes tear up so that the Burley will take on the, the Bread Social's uh, Gold Coast customers and, and over at Tweed other, the other way around. And it, what it does, and it's just, you know, it's like that pivot. Okay, so we can't do this today. How are we going to solve the problem? Let's make a few phone calls. Let's go on social media and see how we can solve it. And, and as I said, the food industry up here is just so awesome that um, everyone's prepared to help everybody else as well. How can I help is what I had, all of the messages I had last week. 
Wow. Well, that, I mean, that's good to hear. And I suppose we do continue to hear about the resilience and the community that builds up around these really, really tough situations. You just never really know what this pandemic's gonna, pandemic is going to throw at you next. Um, Deborah, is there anything that you sort of has happened to you or that you've tweaked and changed through this period that you know you're going to take forward even when things are a little bit more normal? Um, well, I, even though um, everyone loves no plastic up here um, and I was doing a lot of cheese, like I was cutting wedges um, at the farmer's market and weighing it and it, I will continue packaging and pricing it um, only because it's a much cleaner product. Um, I will keep that on. And also I did employ a couple of people just to help me out there. So I don't want to let them go. So they will be still a part of the a part of what's going on. Um, I'm trying not to grow. Um, I will take on a couple of extra farmer's markets, I think, just so that I can um, give the, uh, my new employees a little bit more of a range. Um, I just look, you know, with the dairy as well, every time, every day there's a new problem like today we – you know, my husband flew open the door of the cheese factory and, oh, my God, this part, this bit of machinery is not, not working. So we've got tradesmen that we can quickly ring and one's just flown in now to try and solve the problem. So I just, I just think that our customers will always be really loyal. So, but I need to not grow too much because then things get too much out of control and at the end of the day I'm still going to make the cheese no one's going to come in and, and take over there because if I things need tweaking every day and I'm the only one that can see what needs to be done so a lot of things will stay the same it's just that now that I have more of a social media following um, if I need help then they will come in and they'll help me out mm. Wow, that's great. I mean, it is it is really interesting to hear from business people who've done things a little bit differently and then, yeah, realise that, okay, this is actually a good way to do things or at least a, a good a, a good string to have in my bow um, for, yeah, for whatever the future brings. Yeah, and, and I'm 58, so I'm not, I'm not a spring chicken, but I think the older you get, the more, the calmer you look at situations and the more of a, a great network that you do have. Um, and, you know, you keep the ones that are strong and, and that are on the same wavelength as you and you flick off the ones that want to give you information about COVID that you don't want. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Got to watch that fake news. Um, Deborah, do you want to finish by just giving me a little rave about beautiful Jersey cows? Oh, their little faces. They are so beautiful. So um, so not many dairy farmers use Jersey cows because they don't produce as much milk as a Frisian, the black and whites. Um, so the, the Jerseys are the queens and we are the slaves. They they know that they're special. They give you a look. If you walk into the dairy, I don't usually go into the dairy um, because my place is in the cheese factory, but I do love to go in and, and, and look at them and they let they love to smell your hair. So they'll come up and they'll they'll smell your hair just to see if you're one of them or one of us. 
And they just look at you as if to say, you don't usually belong in here. Why are you here? And I just, I think that they are so, they know that they're special. We, we just love our girls. We love them. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Okay, look, it's been a, such an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I feel like I need a cheese platter after this conversation. <laughs> Is there anything you'd like to say as we wrap it up? Um, I just think that, that women are the driving force between behind behind it all. You know, um, I've I've got two daughters. Well, Jim and I both have two daughters, and um, you know they've they've become strong strong women. Uh, one is. Um, a high school teacher with music up in up in Brisbane, and the other one, um, Audrey Allard, she uh, is holy sugar. She she pivoted beautifully when COVID struck, and is now branching out on her own and doing really well in Melbourne. So um, I just think that we women need to stick together and keep encouraging, mentoring each other. It's so powerful being a mentor and being mentored, and you. You just need to keep listening to what other people are doing so that it opens your eyes. Don't don't ever think you know everything. Yeah, I love that. And I just totally uh, am such a big rap for this idea of raising one another up and, um, yeah, shining a light on on what other women are doing um, and, yeah, helping where you, where you can see a space to do that. And I've already told Audrey that you've dobbed her in for the podcast so um, we can look look ahead to a chat with Holy Sugar on this show in the near future. Um, Deborah, thank you so much for having a chat today and, uh, yeah, I look forward to tasting your cheese before too long. Yes, come on up one day, Danny. Once when you can. <laughs> Hopefully it's soon. It's gonna happen. Hopefully soon. <laughs> I hope so. All right, take care. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.